Welcome to the Best Ever You Network, celebrating our third year on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Thank you for helping us become a number one rated live show with over one million global listeners. Our team is on a mission to help you discover your authentic best self and bring it to the world. And now, here's our show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. I'm one of the hosts, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, and we've got Dr. Walter Jacobson hanging out in California. How are you today, Dr. Walter Jacobson? Hey, I'm doing great, thank you. And how about you? Are you uh, starting to defrost out there? You know, no. In fact, I was oh. just having a, a. I do the Falmouth Baseball website, falmouthbaseball.com, and you know, I, I help with that for, as part of the baseball boosters and. The coach just emailed me, and he's like, there's no sign of any melt. I don't know when we're going to play baseball. <laughs> I suggested to bring the teams, all the, you know, all the kids onto the, onto the baseball field and have a snowball throwing contest in the direction <laughs> of the woods. <laughs> I'm like, hurl those, you know, clear the field. So who knows? But wouldn't it be kind of a cute fundraiser? Everybody pay like 20 bucks, and you can throw as much snow as you want. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever. When in Rome, you know. Anyway, um, (laughs) and you have no snow still, I'm guessing. No, not not exactly. California, no, you have flowers and daffodils. You know, there is there is snow, but that's the one thing about California that's that's really great is you can drive an hour and be in you know in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were driving into the driveway yesterday, and um, I looked over at the snowbank, and there's the missing newspaper. We couldn't find the newspaper like two weeks ago, and there it is in all its glory. I'm going to have to go out and take a picture of it. It's literally stuck in the snowbank like the plow just took it. <laughs> well, apparently, I mean, probably some people are are finding, like, lawn furniture that they haven't seen in months or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like you got a, a large amount of Aww. snow. Yeah, it's going to be forever melting. But anyway, uh, so um, I don't know how we go from snow to Fire, but we're going there. Um, we're going to talk about Sky Fire a little bit here. And our guest is Tom Pryor, who is the author of this awesome book called Sky Fire. And Tom, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Lots of snow here in Iowa, too. It's been snowing the past couple of days, so we're still trying to defrost down here, too. Yeah, it's there's snow in the strangest places where there's never any snow this year and whatever, but you know. I don't know. It's just it's all over the place. So yeah, we're collectively as a as a United States going to be really sick of snow, I think here. But um, yeah, Iowa. I love Iowa. Should we tell the backstory a little bit of of how you came to be on this show today, maybe? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so that way it makes sense a little bit. Um, so when my book Percolate came out in last April. I wanted to go home to Iowa where I grew up because I'm a graduate of Pleasant Valley High School and a graduate of St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa. And I wanted to go back home and do a book signing and hang out with Paula Sands on her show. And, and But most importantly, go back to St. Ambrose where I just did so much growing up and I was on the radio and the TV station there and just loved all the professors and everybody there. And um, so I was in KALA with... Um, and TV 11 with Percolate and talking to, I call him Duke. Do people still call him Duke? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Better yeah, I still Schneider. call him Duke. Yeah, I still Duke. call him Duke. Yeah. Always will. Okay. Yeah, I do too. So as I was there with Duke and David Baker and John, everybody, just saying hi. And you, they introduced me to you. you. You happened to be there. I think you were talking, were you talking about graduation? Yes, sure. I was down in the TV studio just talking with Duke about kind of about graduation and what was planned for the rest of the semester. And then the next thing I know, he's introducing me to you because uh, my book had just been released. I had just published it. And he said, oh, my gosh, Tom, a fellow author here. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, and we've just kind of gone from there. And I, I was trying to wait to have you on the show to a point where I thought, you know, book marketing is, is a little bit in better shape um, rather than the summer and stuff like that when people are so preoccupied. But I, I remember my jaw just dropping because, you know, I'm 46 and I had worked so hard to do, you know, a book and all these things. And you're in college. You are a college baseball player. You have really amazing grades. Uh, and you wrote a book. And I'm just sitting there yeah. going, this is it's, so awesome. Today's youth rocks. <laughs> you know, it was crazy awesome. doing a lot. Um 
you know, just the whole writing process. Uh, you'd find free time just in college, uh, you know, on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night where you didn't have homework, and I would just sit down and write. It was a, a way of relaxing, I guess, taking a load off when I wasn't focusing on my schoolwork. Um, you know, Tom, you know, you didn't just start writing a book. You wrote volume one of Skyfire, and uh, so, I mean, you obviously had sort of a mega story going on here, which is amazing. I, I'm just wondering, did were, were, you, were you sort of percolating this story idea for a while, or did you just suddenly say, you know, I'm going to write a novel, uh, and then start from there? Yeah, I planned, well, the series is, is going to be five volumes, five books in the Skyfire series, and I planned it out, gosh, when I was in high school. I didn't start actually writing this first volume until... December of 2008. Um, I was 17 years old, but I had had the idea for about a whole entire year, and I knew I wanted to write a a big series and really grow the characters, develop the characters in the story. So I spent about a year just writing every idea I had onto a Word document and formulating it. This is going to be in book one, book two, book three, um, and kind of gathering ideas together. And I think that's maybe the most important part of the writing process is trying to decide what you want to write about how you're going to tell your story, and then when you sit down and write, it's a whole lot easier because you know exactly what you want to say. You just have to put words to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking George Lucas, uh, you know, planned out nine movies all at the beginning when he kind of wrote the Bible of them all, and it sounds like you're sort of doing the same thing. Yeah, it's it's really nice to sit down and know where I'm going to take the story. I know what's going to happen in the four books following this first Skyfire volume. So when I'm writing, I can prepare for the end. I can put um, little notes or keys into this first volume that may reappear in a couple books down the road. So it's easy um, to set up kind of symbolism. I can put symbolism in this book that you'll see again maybe in book three or book four. And it really ties the series together that you'll be able um, to point out, oh, well, this is how the story is developing over time. Because if I just sat down and write this first volume without thinking about the rest of the series, it would take away from the series as a whole. Yeah. yeah you know, as I, what I'm thinking about as you're talking about, talking about everything, I have a couple of things. I'm like, um, don't forget us when you're, you know, you're all famous and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> have, yeah. You remember, I met you before. <laughs> You've been on the show. It's awesome. No. Uh, but the other thing I was thinking of, is that um, one thing that struck me when I met you is that you have qualities about you that just can't be measured. You know, you're well, so you. humble. You're so gracious. You're so, you know, all those things that you just can't quite put it. You, you put words on it, but it definitely isn't something you can measure in book sales or you know how you know how many hits you got or how fast you pitched or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk? Can can we back up just a little bit and talk about all the things that you do with campus ministry that you did with campus ministry since you're a graduate now? Um, but you're you do things still because I think you're doing your master's degree. Um, just catch us up on on all the really neat things that you do for people and humanity and and helping others. Yeah, sure. Well, I graduated from St. Ambrose in May of 2014, so just about a year ago. After growing up in Bloomington, Illinois, I attended Central Catholic High School, graduated from there in the spring of 2010, and I lived there pretty much my whole life. So I came to Ambrose to play baseball, as you had mentioned. I just was looking for a scholarship, and that was the primary reason I came to St. Ambrose. And I ended up not even playing baseball my senior year because I got so involved with TV broadcasting, journalism, um, and like you said, campus ministry. So after graduating, I thought, well, you know, what do I want to do with my life? I have this communication background, this journalism background. I really enjoy writing. Well, I also found out through my time during my undergrad that I really liked working with students, and I liked doing work in campus ministry. So I was approached about a grad assistantship at St. Ambrose through the campus ministry department, and I quickly snatched it, um, and I'm currently getting a Master's of Organizational Leadership which just builds on the communication and writing degree. And what I do with campus ministry now is I lead a lot of different service projects. We have what are called service on Saturdays. So every Saturday we go out in the Quad City community, and I take a bunch of students, and we help, whether it's at um, soup kitchens, whether um, we're helping at food pantries, playing bingo with, you know, the elderly people. It's 
it's just a great way to integrate our students with the community around St. Ambrose. I also lead a lot of faith-based discussions, too, on campus just to get the students involved. We talk a lot about current events um, and just try to bring people at St. Ambrose together and help the students find that sense of being that every college student is looking for. They want to find a community or something to get involved in, and campus ministry is a great outlet for that. And a lot of what I yeah. do with campus ministry, too, is communicating. It's marketing um, the campus ministry department and just talking with a lot of people, which I love to do. You know, I don't I don't think I would be uh, – I don't know where I would be without St. Ambrose and people like Duke and Ken and Alan oh, yes. and John and David because when I – let's see, I'm trying to think. I, I must have been maybe like – all of 18 when I was there, maybe 19. And yeah. what had happened to me is my parents owned a chain of video stores in Iowa and Illinois called the Movie Stores. And um, you're too young to remember them, <laughs> but your parents might yeah. know them. And uh, sorry, <laughs> but um, there's still a remnant of one of the movie stores there on Spring Street in uh, Davenport. But anyway, um, my parents oh. went just absolutely crazy bankrupt right right when I graduated high school. Actually, it was a little bit during high school, and then just full-blown everything closed, and we lost our house, and I mean, just everything. Totally bankrupt. And I remember just, I was at the University of Iowa at the time, and I had to come home. There was no way I was going to school, and I remember writing Duke a letter saying, I need help. I'm, I'm dying here. You know, I just, I don't even know what to do. You can hear it in my voice now. I just am not going to go forward here. And um, he picked me up and helped me all through he's, it. And I graduated with honors and everything. He's a wonderful man. And the entire communication oh. department, as you know, is. They're they're interested in you developing as a person and a, as and a professional. But they're really good friends. And they're really yeah. interested in helping you become the best person you can be. They're, they're always ready to talk. Their doors are always open. And I think that's what really made the communication department stand out to me. That's why I enjoyed, enjoyed it so much. Yeah. And I was angry at the time, too, and they helped me because, you know, I thought the world was out to get me at that point, you know, with everything happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, oh. and I'm like, oh, yeah. chill, we got you, <laughs> you know. I just remember just being like a, at moments, being like backed up into a corner, you know, scratching for my life at moments, you know, kind of thing, and they would just sort of chill and, and helped me through the whole thing and just fabulous, especially Alan Seville. I, I just remember being so lost um, at moments. So, um, But that's the kind of school and and people that go, you know, it's just a, a, a it's neat what you do. I am lost for articulate words here, but I think it's so profound what you're doing with, with all the activities that you're doing through that school. Walter, take it. <laughs> yeah, well, I just want to, yeah, I can segue from this whole idea of the yeah, faith based discussions that uh, yeah. I think that's really important. Uh, and I think now more than ever, uh, you know, our world really seems so fragmented and separated, and there's so much anger and aggression and, uh, and the, the need for, for remembering uh, about compassion and love and forgiveness and faith is really, really important. And uh, so I'm wondering, you know, tying into your to your novel, I know there's a chapter called Freedom Ministers. I'm wondering, have you tied in some religious or spiritual components uh, into your book based upon the work you've done? Not exactly strictly religio- uh, religious, but a lot of it is, is based on what you said, love and compassion. The word Skyfire is actually a nickname that uh, Jack Finn, she's our protagonist in the story, his mother gives him the name Skyfire, and it, it means eternal love, the sky being round and kind of eternal, no end, and then fire being the love and compassion that she feels for him. So Skyfire you know, translates to this eternal love, and Jack's growing up in a world that's devastated by war. There's a global war going on. Um, his home's destroyed. He's forced to flee to the United States to try and find his family, find his friends. So it's his search for kind of this love in a world that seemingly doesn't have any with so much death and destruction going on. Um, so I guess that, in a sense, could be a little religious or spiritual. Is He's growing as a person, and he's trying to find friends and family to love and try to understand, I guess, humanity in a sense. Why can humans drop so low to do all this terrible stuff, but 
then how, on the other hand, can the freedom ministers, uh, people fighting for freedom um, in the United States, how can they come together and, and fight for compassion and love and for the justice that the world needs? So there is a little bit of aspect in there that I've learned from campus ministry that I'm trying to put in, into the series. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think uh, labeling stuff like religion or spirituality is, is you know, sometimes just kind of pigeonholes things. It's not necessary because obviously you've infused your, your, you know, your personality, your perceptions about compassion and love. You've actually infused it probably into your characters and into the fellowship of, of people that come together to kind of make the uh, humanity better in your novel, right? Yes, a lot of the characters... Um, show a different side of, of human nature. And I think you make a good point about religions. When you label a religion, um, you know, it, it kind of, you have friends and you have enemies who may not agree or disagree with you. But I think overwhelmingly love can be applied to everyone. I think everyone in the world is, is searching for love, wants to be included, wants um, to have passion for others and enjoy what they're doing. And a lot of the characters in the novel are feeling that same way. They want an opportunity to grow up and to fight for their passions, what they want to live for. And they understand that there's this oppression, global oppression going on in the world. And they're trying to understand where is this love that we're searching for? What can we do to improve our lives, improve the lives of those who are dying and who are fighting alongside us? So there is just that overarching sense of, trying to understand the world and understand, you know, where the characters fit in it. So for anybody just listening, uh, we're, we're on the phone with Tom Pryor. He is the author of Skyfire, and uh, you can visit his website at PryorSkyfire.com. That's P-R-I-O-R, Skyfire.com. And uh, you can... You can buy an autographed copy on his website. You can learn more about him, and he takes donations also. And uh, I I just noticed this, that you kept this book a secret from your family? <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I did. So I had always enjoyed writing when I was growing up. I'd write short stories for my parents, um, and, and they always knew I really enjoyed writing. But when I got into high school, I came up with the idea for Skyfire and thought, okay, I really want to write this this big adventure series. And I kind of just started doing it on my free time. And I didn't tell my parents about it initially, and I kept writing, and the story kept growing. And I decided kind of to keep it a secret because writing can be so personal. And as a, you know, a young teenager growing up, I wanted the story to be my own at first until it was ready to put out there. And I think being at my first novel that I've written, I didn't want to tell my parents, oh, I'm writing this novel, and then I, they would want to read it. They would want to be involved in the process, and I just I didn't know when it would be finished or even if I would ever finish it. Writing was mostly a hobby in high school when I started writing, and I didn't know how long it would take to complete it. So I thought keeping it a secret would allow me to keep my writing personal, and it would also um, you know, not have any added pressure or expectations put upon it. But when I, I print it off, the paper in July of 2012, the book, it was um, 252 Microsoft Word document pages um, long. I printed off at the library, and I came home to my parents and said, hey, I have a surprise for you, and they had absolutely no idea what I was going to tell them. And I plopped the, the paper down, papers down, and I said, well, I wrote a book. And, and their, their jaw dropped, their eyes wide open. They're like, we, we knew you loved writing, but you know, when did you have the free time to do all of this? Why didn't you tell us about it? And uh, they were the first to read the book. They were um, very excited for it, and um, they've helped market the book ever since. Is your mom listening to the show today? Yes. You know? <laughs> if if yes, you are, Mom, and you want to call in, call us at 714-868-0220 and press 1. I would love to hear what your mom thinks of all this. I think it would be so cool for the show. Or your dad, whoever wants to call in, but the number is 714-868-0220, and you press 1. Uh, I noticed, do you take money? Like when, when your books sell, are you, you're donating the money. Yes, I'm most donating of it, most, of right? the, um, most of the proceeds. I've donated 
over $1,400 so far to different um, charitable organizations. Uh, I gave um, a large chunk of money to St. Ambrose University's Dance Marathon, and their money goes to the Children's Miracle Network, which helps with pediatric cancer. I've also given money um, to the Catholic Charities located in Davenport. They do a lot of parish ministry work in the area. And even just this past uh, Saturday and fr- Saturday and Sunday, I worked at a Kiwanis Pancake Breakfast back in my hometown of Bloomington, Illinois, just to promote the book a little bit. And I donated almost $100 of those proceeds to Camp Limberlost, which is a camp uh, for students in the area that it helps them with social interaction. And one of the reasons I um, donate some of the proceeds that I get is because writing to me has always been just a hobby. It's been something fun that I like to do in my free time. And I know there are probably a lot of other people in the world who have a passion for something they want to do in life or, you know, have a dream that they want to achieve. And if I'm able to help them, even in the smallest way, give them the funds necessary to realize their goals and and their dreams, you know, I really would like to do that. Um, For campus ministry, actually, next week on Saturday, we leave for four different service trips. We're going to Detroit, Cleveland, East St. Louis, and Kentucky to work with inner city poverty and build houses in the Appalachians. And a lot of the service students have to pay to be on the trip. So any book that I sell by Monday at noon Eastern time, so Monday, March 2nd, I'll donate $5 of every purchase to the service trips to help the St. Ambrose students be able to afford the trip. Um, So hopefully we can make a difference in the inner cities and also build some houses for people out in the Appalachians. Wow. Uh, Incredibly admirable. If there's anybody who deserves success from what I've been hearing, you certainly are, are, are one right at the top of the list there. Uh, really, it's wonderful that you're giving uh, so much of yourself and uh, monetarily as well as emotionally, the whole deal. Um, you know, talking about writing, you know, I used to write years ago. I had another career. I used to write screenplays and stuff. And I found that when, I'm, when you're writing, that a lot of times it's very therapeutic. A lot of times you, you, you kind of are working through your own stuff, and sometimes characters are have aspects of your own personality and self. Uh, did you happen to notice any of that stuff when you were writing? Yes, I did. The, the protagonist, Jack, he's 17 years old when the story begins. That's how old I was when I started writing. So it was kind of his, his journey of meeting new friends and cr- kind of growing up as a person, learning about humanity, that reflects a lot of the same process I did when I was writing this book from my junior year of high school through my junior year of college. I did a lot of growing as a person, too, and I began to understand the world in a whole different way through all of the lessons I was learning, and I reflected that in Jack's character, Jack's nature, the way that he grows from Chapter 1 all the way until Chapter 25. A lot of the friends he meets are reflections of friends and people that I've met through my life. Uh, what they wanted to do, kind of their personalities, their behavior. And I think it was important that I was writing this book when I went to college and experienced all new, a whole new side of life that I had never gotten before just being located in Bloomington because going to college really forces you to expand who you are. You have to be open to new ideas. You learn a lot of new information, and it really helps the book to develop, and it helps Jack to develop too. He learns a lot from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, and he'll continue learning more through the rest of the series. When you, um, I'm curious, this is kind of off the, off topic a little bit, but kind of on topic. When you when you started to go to St. Ambrose, when you very first arrived there, and you're playing baseball and doing all these things, did you did you envision what's going on now then? Did you have did you have it all planned out, or have you or have you maneuvered through and taken opportunities and luck and chance and things like that? Nice. No, I, I never had any idea what was going to happen. I came into St. Ambrose. I, I knew what major I wanted. I had been on speech team in high school and really enjoyed doing that. So I knew I wanted to go into journalism, TV broadcasting. But besides that, I had no idea where it would lead me. Lead me. I didn't know if my book would be finished by the time I graduated college. I didn't know that I would get so involved with campus ministry as I did. If I was sitting back and 
gosh, the fall of 2010 when I arrived at St. Ambrose, and you asked me where are you going to be in four or five years from now, I would honestly have no idea. And I can tell you right now it, it wouldn't be being on this wonderful show here today. I, I would never have expected it. But I think that's what's great about life in general is that you can never really expect what's going to happen or where you're going to go. Things just seem to line up and fall into place, and every day is a new journey. And I like to reflect that in my writing, too. Um, Jack travels the world, does a a lot of different experiences, and those are all experiences that change day to day just for every human being. It's You wake up in the morning not really sure what you're going to accomplish that day, and by the time you go to sleep at night, you know, sometimes you say, wow, I, I really did a lot today, or I made a difference. And if you can go to bed at night saying, you made a difference in your life or the lives of other people, then I'd say you had a, a pretty successful day. I yeah, have one you know, more question here. Well, uh, hey, let me oh, lay up with one question here. One of the things about that, too, is I find baseball players, coaches, and so forth, and everyone involved with baseball pretty fascinating. I, um, mm-hmm. but I, there's just something about it I continue to find fascinating, and, I'm, and I think it's fun that I've got four boys, and two of them are really wanting to play baseball in college and do all these things. What part of you was baseball, baseball, baseball? Because, you, you know, it takes a lot to play baseball in college and be good enough to play baseball in college. And the second part of that is how did all the mindset and everything that you have to do to play baseball, how does that play into your personal life and your writing career? Well, baseball is a sport that takes a lot of mental awareness. It's it's really a thinking game. I, I played center yeah. field for fighting these here at St. Ambrose. And although the ball may only be hit to you a couple times during the game, you have to be mentally prepared every pitch. Where am I going to throw the ball? How am I going to react? What pitch count is it? Should I play more shallow? Should I play more deep? Is it a three-hitter in the lineup or the nine-hitter in the lineup? And keeping your mind sharp for a doubleheader on weekends that's four hours, five hours long, you're always staying mentally into the game. And I think you can reflect that in writing, too, because when you're writing, you really have to be engaged with the material mentally. And sometimes it's hard to do for a couple hours on end. If I'm sitting down to write for a couple of hours, I need to make sure that my mind's sharp. And I think my background in baseball really helps me do that because I can have that long attention span. I can devote my time to something entirely, block everything out, and really keep writing. And honestly, I think baseball is one of the reasons I was able to finish this novel um, by the time that I did because I could sit down and really engage my mind with the material without being distracted by other things. Yeah, you know, uh, people say that writing is can be a very lonely uh, profession. Uh, it requires a lot of, of discipline to, uh, you know, to, to do it. And But I just want to get back to one thing because when you were talking about looking at the end of the day at, uh, you know, at, did you do some good things? Uh, you know, I, I want to give my mother some some credit here. She actually taught me that every night you should kind of do an inventory and actually ask yourself, you know, if you were good enough or if there are things you could have done better for people, uh, might have, you know, behaved in a better way and that kind of thing. But let me go back to your book and ask you, you know, is there a love interest? Did you think about putting that in? Is there one? Or if not, did you decide not for a reason? Yes, there is. There is kind of first a love interest between Jack and his father and his brother, he'll meet them later on in the book. He's, it's kind of his search to go find and reunite with them. And so there's a little bit of love involved there, but he also meets um, another young woman that they kind of fall in love, I guess, in a sense. They don't have a lot of interaction here in this first book, but the seeds are sowed into the ground and their relationship's going to flourish within the next four books that this uh, young lady, Katie is her name, will end up being uh, a very integral part of the entire series and into Jack's life. So you can see the seeds of kind of these loving relationships form. And I think that's what's really cool about just the sense of love. We can love our parents or our brothers and sisters. We can, you know, love someone that you just meet on the corner. It's There's so many different variances of love um, that our language kind of embodies. And I try to do that in... Um, in Skyfire, Jack has a, a best friend, and he loves him. He loves uh, Katie, and he will love her. He also loves his parents and his brother. 
they love each other in different ways, but the essence of love is still there. Nice. Yeah, we um yeah, we love the book too. And we love it so much we gave it a best ever you blue ribbon award in December. <laughs> just uh, Yes, thank you. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for putting that on your website cuz I I just I I think that's really special that you did that. I I appreciate that and and um I love giving those awards out um but it not just willy-nilly. <laughs> you know, with yeah. with meaning and so forth. Um you know, because it's you know, it's it's got to be a good book and we love your book and so it's on um our best ever you best books and can you um i know one of the things i was going to ask you is can you buy your book uh, in places other than on your website or do you want people to just go to prior skyfire.com is it on amazon yes. and, and yeah um, it is on amazon too uh on prior skyfire.com right on the main page um, there'll be a big button that says purchase an autographed copy and yep. that's through ebay um and you can purchase it for $20, and if you purchase through the account on eBay, I'll be able to sign it and personalize a copy to you. If you purchase on Amazon, the distributor will just send you a book, so I won't be able to actually sign it. So if you'd like a, a, an autographed copy, I recommend um, going to my website, PriorSkyFire.com, and buying a book through there, or if you go onto eBay and search Tom Pryor Skyfire, um, you can find that as well, and I, I have all those copies here. I bought a bunch of shipments um, that I keep here at my apartment so that when you buy it on eBay, I can sign it and then personally ship it to you. Great. Have you, uh, you know, is there a way that, uh, I mean, I don't know how this works in terms of you start self-publishing and then you, you, know, people, you realize people really appreciate your work. Is there is there any plan or, or a way to try to get it to, uh, to you know, a bigger publisher to sort of take over from here? Yes, that's the next step in the process. I would really like to approach literary agents or publishing houses and try to get it officially published in that sense. After writing the first book, what I really wanted to do was market it to the people I knew as much as possible. My parents really helped out in that regard. So I would, um, you know, promote it on Facebook and through emails. I contacted everyone I knew back in Bloomington, people I know here in the Quad Cities, just to get the book out there and a sense of the book. And I've also will have the sequel, Skyfire Spark and the Resistance. That will come out in the spring of 2016. And I've kind of been waiting to finish writing the sequel before contacting publishing houses just to show them that, yes, I'm a, a first-time author, but I also have the sequel pretty much lined up to go to because I was kind of nervous, essentially, if I started contacting publishing houses. They would say, yeah, you know, you've written one book, but, you know, I want to see that you're really devoted about this and have a passion for this series, and I'll mm -hmm. be able to show that with the sequel already being written. Mm-hmm. Well, so you that's know where I'd like to go with it. Yeah, and and what's genius about that? There's a there's a couple things you've done really well and and correctly, and one thing um, that I love to see authors do is actually complete the work to the best of their ability, yeah. and and have it and submit that versus a proposal and agents and so forth. Um, yeah. the, I know one thing I'm always protective of are my ideas, and um, it would it's a shame sometimes when you send an idea to someone and you see your idea come out through somebody else. So I think it's very brilliant mm -hmm. that you've written it all down and um, your product is done. Uh, and the other thing I think is, um, is some advice that I, maybe I could help you with is that um, when you – when your book starts to really sell, 2,500 copies is a real good number to get somebody's attention. Okay. Just yeah, to that. give you a heads up. Uh, from what I've learned, um, 5,000 is really awesome, but when a book sells 2,500 copies, it's 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 re doing really well. Most books um, sell 200 to 250 copies in reality, um, okay. or so they tell me, and 2,500 is a great number. And then, wow, and then okay. sometimes you get picked up and so forth. Um, but, but it's brilliant that you've got the the book completed and a second one on the way, um, because uh, it just protects your work a little better. Oh, but yeah. Well, what, yeah. you just made me think of this, Elizabeth. Uh, in order to sell more books, it helps to have like more reviews. 
So I, I think yeah. if you uh, what Elizabeth does is she encourages people who who you know who know her work and like her work to put a review of Percolate uh, on Amazon. So. I think that might be a good idea is to, is to get some people who have read the book and like it and can honestly uh, say this is a good book, you should read it, get some more reviews on Amazon. Yeah, we're, we're all learning. <laughs> no matter how old we are or whatever, we're all learning. And the other thing I've learned, too, with selling books is that it really helps when people um, – is that Amazon rank matters, too, sometimes. Um, not consistently, but it's kind of cool – if um, what I've learned is everybody can go in all in one day. So, like, let's say four months from now, you say, "Okay, today's Skyfire by Skyfire Day," and you and your friends and family get a little bit exhausted, you know, because they're like, "Oh, how many more <laughs> copies do I need to buy?" But um, you know, you can you can do a broader like Ambrose thing or something where today's Skyfire Day, and you rally the rally the folks to buy all at once on one day, and it pushes your book up in the rank. And, you know, if you can break that Amazon top 100 or top 10 or be number one or Kindle or something like that, then um, you've got another feather in your cap to say, oh, I'm, I'm Amazon ranked top 100 books, you know, or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a that. Yeah, that's achieved kind of with help. And I'm going to probably do another push with Percolate on its anniversary because we did that when it first came out and it pushed it into the top 100 and all those things. It was, I think I got as high as like 68. Um, without too much chaos going on in my life because I'm a mom of four boys, and it, my book was released right during baseball season. <laughs> oh, you oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. right yeah, smack but, in know, the middle of baseball season. <laughs> anyway, uh, go ahead. Along the yeah. lines of that, when you have, like, Skyfire Day, when you want as many people as possible to buy it on that one day, you know, you send if you have the emails, you send out to all the email people you know, and you say to them, hey, you know, let people know. Yeah, you put a little blurb saying Skyfire is coming out this day. You should check it out. And then you have your friends send emails to their friends and their email list. So you have emails going to emails going to emails exponentially. So all at the, on the same morning so that hopefully everyone just kind of goes to Amazon and just buys the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and we can that's do, a great idea. Yeah, the other thing we can do, um, and, uh, you know, I kind of do things in steps so we don't, you know, do everything all at once, but we can put up, you know, if, if you want to do a giveaway on besteveryou.com and, you know, do like two copy, two signed copies or something like that, we can do, a, you know, a giveaway on besteveryou.com, and that way I'm putting your book out there pretty consistently for a good solid month. And that raises okay. awareness too. It's all it's all basically about just, you know, awareness and a little luck at moments too, I think. Um but yeah, do do things to keep it's a great book. Um it's I just think it's so cool. What what are you um we'll move off of this because 'cause we're like t- telling you what to do, sorry. Um <laughs> No, I appreciate all the advice, please. <laughs> yeah. Um what are some what are some of the things that might happen in the sequels that you can share with us? What have you got kind of planned if you can if you can't that's cool too yeah well in the first uh novel it's a lot about the federation they're kind of the world power that's taking over and a lot of what they do in the first novel is is a lot of oppression um to jack and he's really trying to flee from them and trying to build these relationships up so he never makes he never starts to kind of fight back against this evil oppression that's happening in the first novel but he grows as a person through it, and he meets a lot of relationships. He meets a lot of people, and you'll see that start to flourish in the second novel as they begin to come together and decide, okay, what can we do to try to overthrow this power, try to put these people in oppression, try to give them some type of power, try to help them grow out of oppression and, and fight back in a sense. And when I say fight back, it's not always taking up arms and fighting in battles, although that does happen too. It's realizing that, you know, we are unique people and we have should have a say in the world. We should um, be able to explore and have the same freedoms that um, the people in the Federation have. So you'll see a lot of that start to take place in book two. There's there's more fighting and there's more growing and the relationships that have been built in book one um, start to really come together and make action and behavior happen um, in the second book. What's the uh, what's the Galderon War? Yeah, um, the Galderon War, well, the, the Federation, um, 
kind of started based on the Galdron. It's uh, it's kind of a, a unique weapon that was built by the leader of the Federation, and he uses it to oppress these people. And it's a it's a weapon that the world has never seen before. So it's talking a little bit about that war and how this weapon came to be so powerful, which gave the Federation its power, and that's how it could start its oppression. People had fear for their lives. They feared for their families um, because of the Galdorin weapon, and that's really what sent the people into oppression and into despair, and that's what allowed the Federation to take over. They invade multiple countries, burn down homes, villages, and Jack's home eventually um, is burned down too, forcing him uh, to flee. He grows up in West Africa with his mother. His mother is a nurse um, doing relief work in Africa. So um, Jack is forced to flee to the United States where he has to find his father and his brother. And that's where the story kind of starts off. It starts with his home being burned and destroyed and him leaving and trying to come to the United States uh, to build these relationships. How do you think of all of that? Because you're talking, I'm like, how, how do you think of all of that? Where does it come from? A lot of it just... It's so cool. You know, when I grew up, I I enjoyed reading. I think reading and writing go together very well. I would read a lot of stories, watch a lot of movies. I'm always interested in, in storytelling, and I think human nature is. Humans inherently are just drawn to stories, even fictional stories that can teach you lessons. So when I kept reading and being told all these stories as a child, when I got older, I realized, I want to create a story of my own. So whenever you have free time, whether I'm running or, you know, even when you're taking a shower, these ideas just flood into your head. And once you have an idea ready and you let your mind be allowed to just have this flood of information, anything really is possible. I never would have imagined um, before writing this novel that any of this would all take place. But ideas keep popping into your head and popping into your head and, you just find ways to create symbolism, too, within the novel. And one of the very first chapters, uh, there's Jack has his, his best friend is named Mood. And um, Mood has this old war plane that's been passed down throughout his family for generations and generations and generations. It's kind of the oldest plane in the world in sort of a sense. And when the Federation attacks, they use that plane to escape the Federation and go to the United States. Well, in the, near the end of the book, I have what's called the King Spear. That's the title of another chapter. The King Spear is a new military plane um, invented by the free world, the freedom ministers, and it's one of the newest planes in the world, and Jack eventually comes to take possession of that, and he uses that at the end of the book to fight against the Federation um, and defeat them. So there's kind of an allegory sense where, Jack, in the very beginning, escapes the Federation by using the oldest plane in the world, but at the end of the book, he fights the Federation to gain freedom by using the newest plane in the world. So it's just sitting back and trying to think of what can I do that really just gets the reader involved. It's not just a simple story, but I want the reader to think while they're reading the book and see the symbolism and tie it all together because I think that's what makes a story so much better. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the whole idea of you get an idea, you, you jot it down. I mean, that's a, kind of Woody Allen, a prolific, you know, screenwriter, filmmaker. That's what he would do. He talks about how, uh, you know, he hears some bit of conversation. He thinks it's interesting. He just jots it down. And then when he wants to make a movie, he goes to this big box he's got, and he's got, like, all these incredible, like, snippets of ideas, and then he starts to brainstorm and, and formulate a story. Um, so it's kind of cool that you're you're kind of doing the same thing there. Um did, did, when you were reading, did you have any uh, any authors that uh, inspired you, or, or did the, you just kind of read in general and, and come up with this on your own to just go forth? Yeah, just a lot of reading in general. The, the idea of the Skyfire series, um, I don't think can really be tied to any certain um, idea that I've had through reading, but probably the biggest influence I had, which was probably the biggest influence everyone my age had, um, was J.K. Rowling with the Harry Potter series. I, I loved those books, read them numerous times, and that's when I first had the idea that there's this seven-book series, and it's she wrote it so well and tied it all together that, you know, maybe I want to write a series. And I think that's what 
got my mind thinking, okay, I, I can do this too. If she can write a series this well, I want to I want to take a shot at it, and I want to try it. So once the idea hit, you know, I just started writing down. And I, and I like how you point out that ideas can hit you at any time. It's, it's almost foolish, but I'll be running on the treadmill or something in the weight room, and all of a sudden an idea in the book will hit me, and I'll pause the treadmill, I'll go over to my phone, and I'll write it down real quick or something like that because you don't want to lose that idea. Right. Ideas can, they can hit you at any time, um, even when you're not expecting it, and it's always important to write it down. Yeah, I, I do that in my sleep. Drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, it's frustrating. Yeah, I'll have to wake. It's it's funny. I just have to wake up and go write or something like that. So my husband's used to me now. With I, I, t- I warned him when we got married. I'm like, okay, I think in my sleep sometimes, and I have to wake up and go write. And he's like, whatever, you know. All right. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Funny. Because it's, 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 a, it's an awful it feeling when you have an idea. And then you think, oh, that's a good one. And then five minutes later, it's, wait, what was that? What was I what was that? talking about? I can't remember it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. So after you have yeah. that feeling I'm... once, you know to write everything down after that. Yeah. I. That's why I carry journals in my purse and my, at, at the phone. I. That's a really good idea. I don't do much about that but just text my kids and stuff. But writing the ideas down on the phone might be brilliant. Yeah. Or sometimes I'm walking to class and an idea hits me, so I'll, I'll just text it to myself real quick. And yeah. on my computer, I have um, Word documents and folders for all of the books in the series, and they're full, pages and pages long of just ideas for the next four books. And that's what's the toughest part about the writing process oh. is finally when I sat down to write the sequel, I would look at just the dozens of pages of notes, and you have to try and organize it, and you have to try to write it in a way that it's coherent and that you remember it and understand it. Um, I don't. I honestly don't know where I would go with the story or the series if it wasn't for me writing down all these ideas whenever they came to my head. Yeah, you know, also when uh, dreams can, as Elizabeth was saying, can be a very powerful source, a creative source of, uh, of information. And a lot of scientific discoveries, in fact, have, have come out of dreams. So uh, I kind of encourage people, you know, to, when they wake up, have a little journal by the side of their beds. When, because if there is a dream and, and it's, it's fresh right then and there, that's when you want to try to capture any residual memories from the dream. Yes, and that, that happens a lot of times, even, you know, in the middle of the night, as you said, Elizabeth, you'll just wake up and your first instinct is, wow, that was a, a good dream or I wish I could remember that. But then you try to go back to sleep right away so that, you know, the dream can start again. It's always important important to write things down and um, keep track of it because, you know, even when you're dreaming or sleeping, an idea can hit you. And if it's so good that it's worthy of writing down, then you should do it. Right. Yeah, I'm the queen of disruptive sleep, but boy, when I do sleep, it's forever. It's like, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, okay, so I have a question about um, the future and yeah. your future. Do you see yourself as an author, maybe a movie, you know, director or producer, or um, how how is that with organizational leadership and a master's degree in that? Do you have kind of different tracks going on, doing different things, or what? What, what do you want to? What's your ultimate thing that you, one of the things anyway that you want to do? I I see you doing a lot of different things, but how do you I'll see yourself like maybe like ten years from now? Yes, I. Well, I'll never stop writing for the rest of my life. Whether you know my books become published by publishing houses or not, I'll continue just to write stories, and even if no one reads them, I'll keep writing just because I enjoy writing and. That's what I love to do. And if I could make a profession out of that, that would be awesome to have the books published, to continue to write, have movies made out of the books. That would be fantastic. And that's why I'm going into organizational leadership. The degree covers a lot a lot of aspects of communication and interacting with people. So even if I didn't make a profession out of being an author, I would like to be involved in storytelling, whether it's working... Um, in a communication department of a business or a nonprofit organization so that you can spread the news and be just a communicator of some organization's goal and see it come to fruition, um, I'd really like to do that. Movies, of course, would be fun, too. I would uh, love getting into that side of the business, too. 
um, because movies, I think, are, are fascinating as well. Them and books really capture the attention of the younger audience, and especially the younger generation. They watch movies all the time. They're always watching Netflix, so they're being receptive of so many more stories than they used to be, and they get stories with such easy access. So being a storyteller myself, I would, I would like to get into that, into that genre if possible. Yeah, that yeah, Netflix you... is wild, isn't it? I got I got talked into that. They, my kids are like, "Please, mom, we need Netflix." That, you know that everybody has it but us kind of thing. You know, you're the, like the house yeah. on the block that doesn't have water flowing or something. You know, so <laughs> we have you know Netflix now, and oh my gosh, you can do so. It's eye opening how much stuff is on Netflix, and it's all you know it's not very expensive or anything. And but but the way in which we get information is so different. Even um, even one of the TV, interrupt me here because it's kind of a fun conversation, but, you know, Modern Family, did you see that? They, the cast of Modern Family and the director of Modern Family, whether you watch it or not, they did an entire episode from their iPhones and using iProduct. No it's absolutely trippy. It's being um, talked about right now in the news. And just, the you know, I think the whole industry, but whether it's books or movies or, or TV, it's just shifting right now into how we get our information. It's just yes. and crazy. Well, yeah, People want information quicker, too. And one of the things that I do think books provide um, over maybe a, a two-hour movie is the amount of information. A lot of people, they'll read a book and watch a movie, and most often they say they enjoyed the book better. And it's because the book can add so much more information that maybe a movie can't. But in today's age, whether you can take a few days to write a movie or to write a book, or to read a book, or to just watch a two-hour movie, some people will take the movie, even though the story may be diluted, in a sense, and compared to the book. Well. Yeah, the, you know, the, even YouTube also, you know, and these iPhones, and people, everybody, I mean, it's the, the playing field has been leveled. Anybody can make a statement, can make a film, basically, can put, put something out there to have a position or be artistic and creative. It's, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling uh, what the potential is for, like, you know, everybody to have a voice. Of course, the downside is sometimes those voices are kind of angry and crazy, but uh, it's, it's still, a, you know, it's still <laughs> yeah. a good thing to have, uh, yeah, freedom of expression. Um, but you, in terms of expression, now you're a sports broadcaster on a on a cable network, and you were editor in chief of your campus newspaper. So I see there's yes. also an element of journalism and uh, in your life. Uh, Do you ever think that maybe you'd want to do a, a, a talk radio show or some other kind of broadcasting as well? Yes, I've thought about that too. I really enjoyed during my undergrad um, writing for the newspaper. I would host sports shows, interview the coaches. I would broadcast all the football and basketball games on the radio and TV for St. Ambrose, and I really enjoyed doing that. That was um, kind of the most fulfilling part of my undergraduate studies at St. Ambrose. So I had this journalism background, um, but then I've I've always wanted to go to graduate school too, especially um, in today's age, just to try to get ahead and try to learn more and to grow. And when the opportunity to attend graduate school came, I took it quickly, but that doesn't mean to say that I've gotten away from my journalism or communication background because that's still a part of me and still something that I'd like to do in the future. Cool. Those are lifelong skills. I, I just truly think that program teaches you so many lifelong skills in so many different ways. Um, I've even anchored the sports before. It, it wasn't a total disaster, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember somebody didn't show up and I had to read the sports. It's like, oh, no. But, um, yeah, did, <laughs> do you ever um, do you do you ever have any interaction with Steve Tappa at all? Does he still around, no. kick around there? No. He, well, he no, writes for the um, the newspaper across the river in Illinois. The I can't remember the name of it. The I want to say the Dispatch or something. But I went to school with okay. his wife, and um, he he was there also. Um, but yeah, Martha Garcia Tappa and I have had many a we've we've developed back when you developed film. You know, yeah. things like that, edited three-quarter inch tape, you know, stuff oh, like that. Yeah. I, I oh, remember, yeah, yeah we, they didn't have, they really didn't have, um, well, they had state-of-the-art, but you didn't walk around with a laptop when I was in college there. I graduated in 91, and, okay. um, yeah, there was no, you know what I mean? There was no mobile phones and no computer. Imagine that. Imagine mm-hmm. that, going oh, to school yeah. with no phone or computer. I, I can't imagine. I don't know where 
all the information, you know, would go. One of the, the things I liked about um, broadcasting, too, was I always, I always liked speaking and public speaking for some reason, and I was never afraid of it. And I think one of the reasons for that actually is reading. When I was younger and I would read books, I would actually mouth the words out. Um, I wouldn't necessarily speak them out loud, but I just mouth them rather than reading them in my head. And I remember being at one of my brother's baseball games when I was younger. I think I was in junior high, and uh, one of the parents came up to me as I'm reading and says, why are you reading with your mouth? You know, you're not reading to anyone right now. And it's a great way to help you pronounce words and understand how you say words, and it helps with your diction so that when you're finally speaking or broadcasting, it's easier to say the words. The words are more fluent. So if there's any young readers out there, it would it's a great opportunity just to sit down and if you're alone, read out loud. And if you're not, just mouth out the words. Just That's start great saying them because it can really help you down the road just learning how to um, complete sentences, how to say words and read. And, um, and as you said, it can help you in, in any aspect of life because, you know, you can't, grow up and you can't involve yourself with society and community without a form of communication. Yeah. Reading is so Can important that it actually, you know, develops the brain and, and, and develops the intellect. So uh, it's, uh, although it's great to download stuff and watch stuff and get your news and, and or whatever in, in, you know, in all these visual ways, reading is really critical and it should not become a lost art. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I entirely agree. Yeah. We're ending on agreement, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, we've got to go because Dr. Walter has patience, and um, I have kids coming home from school. But what a joy to meet you and have you on the show. And I'm I'm so proud of you and just so excited for for you and your future and Skyfire and all the sequels and everything. I mean, you're just a wow. Don't well, you think, Dr. Walter? Just a wow. He's a wow! It's unbelievable. And and when you do your Skyfire day, you know, get you know, get in touch yeah. with me because I'm going to blast it out there to, to my people because we we want to let get as many people to know about you. Awesome! Yeah, I will do I, that. You know, it's it's fun. You know, you get older when you'd rather see somebody else succeed over yourself. And I'm so <laughs> for Skyfire Day. And um, I well, just, I really I can't appreciate wait. the help. Yeah. Oh, you're you're so welcome. And um, just. Good, good luck with everything. Keep in touch with us, and you know if we need to do another radio show to promote your book and update everybody on what you're doing, just let us know, and and we'll support you in any way we can. Because uh, really cool. And and just before we close, Dr. Walter, yes, kudos to this young man's parents. Um, they went to. I'm I'm going to get this wrong a little bit, Tom. You can correct me, but. Uh, <laughs> His mother and father attended almost every game during his high school and collegiate baseball career, including his final yeah. game in 2013. And you've got some supportive, cool parents. They don't. I'm guessing, and you can correct me, but they don't say, "Write a book." Are you Are you crazy? Go get a real job or whatever. You know, a lot of. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? they have my back the whole way, and I honestly can say I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for their support. And I actually dedicate the first book on Skyfire on one of the opening pages, it's dedicated to my family for their love and support because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for them. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tom, thank you for being with us again. Thank you for having go me. To Tom's, yeah, you're so welcome. Um, please go to Tom's website. It's PriorSkyfire.com. This is author Tom Pryor. He's the author of Skyfire, and you can learn all about him on his website. And we just uh, appreciate you being with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, Dr. Walter, thank you as well. We are going to come back on March 3rd. I can't believe I just said that. It's March 3rd, and I still have six feet of snow outside. Um, with Coach Dane and Mark Menard, um, they do the Elevating Beyond podcast. So we're going to have more. I love it when we have other radio show hosts on and it's radio show supporting radio show. So we've got two more radio show hosts coming on, Coach Dane and Mark Menard. Coach Dane's a former pro tennis player, and Mark Menard does all sorts of things for kids um, in the Ohio area. So we'll learn more about them. And then on March 5th, we have Sister Jenna coming on. So, so excited about that. Um, so I hope you'll join us. We do our shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. We do the show live, and we tape it, and uh, we're 
thankful that you're with us. So thank you, Dr. Walter. Thank you, Tom. Have a okay, great day, bye-bye. everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.